you do an amazing job of updating people and providing content and education on what's out there. So I think you're a great source. And there are others, we have national associations that are out there as well. So I think it's incumbent upon all of us as nurses to stay on top of these trends and be aware of them. This is not a put your head in the sand moment. Those people will be left behind. In these days of artificial intelligence dominating the headlines, what does this technology mean for the future of healthcare, medicine, and nursing? Let's talk all about it with top healthcare influencer, nurse futurist, and best-selling author, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, right here on episode 459 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is always about you and your personal and professional development, your career, and the healthcare system writ large. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, technology, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride. And I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. If you'd like to help other people find the show, my ubiquitous request is that you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can also leave one on Google, Amazon, or Spotify, or just share the show with anyone from any app where you happen to be listening. And if you'd like to become a patron, Go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. As little as $2 a month is great. It helps us keep the lights on over here. And if you want to pledge more, I will send you tokens of my deep appreciation via the good old U.S. Postal Service. I appreciate you all so much, whether you're reviewing, patronizing, listening, sharing, whatever you want to do to help us greatly appreciated from the bottom of my heart. Please head over to nursekeith.com to find the show notes for this episode. And they'll also be in any app where you happen to be listening. So feel free just to check it out and visit Bonnie Clipper at the links provided. And Dr. Clipper, Bonnie, my friend and colleague, you've been on the show several times now, and I always love talking with you about the future because you're a nurse futurist. I think you're the only nurse futurist I know, and you have an eye for technology and where we're heading in the innovation space. And I'm super curious, as most people are, about artificial intelligence. So my first question for you is, why do you see AI as being so dominant in the news these days? And do we really need to be hearing about it every day? Wow, Keith, you need to take a breath in there. It's um, <laughs> always good to be back and, and talk with you. I certainly love um, our conversation. So thank you for asking me. Um, I think we continue to hear a whole lot about augmented or artificial intelligence. It is in the news every hour. Um, you don't have to look far to find it, whether it's on your typical sources or popping up in LinkedIn. It, it's just not going to go away. It's going to continue to be out there and stay in front of us. I think that we were all kind of blown away when we saw ChatGPT and then ChatGPT4 released because it became evident that this new platform known as a large language model does all of the digesting and reading and processing of material and data and 
journal articles for us. And it almost feels like cheating. And I think this is where we are. It is absolutely okay. And I would even say encouraged and should be part of your workflows no matter what job you're in. So delivering care may not require you to get into chat GPT, but certainly being a leader, or if you are a direct care nurse doing any kind of research, the first thing you wanna do is literally enter it into chat GPT and see what it tells you. We know that they're feeding the models and they're certainly, they've been updated now, I believe till July of 2022. So we still have a little bit of lag time that they continue to educate the models and they will eventually catch up with us. What is interesting is that this is really just the start of it for us in healthcare. And from a nursing perspective, I think what's important to focus on here is learning about artificial intelligence and how it can help us deliver care to, to patients. So when you think about that means, I was in a really great session and the it was a physician that was delivering this content. And he's an expert in AI. And I think his points were spot on. And that is, we don't need AI to cure cancer. Now, maybe it will, but we don't need it to do that. What we need it to do is fix all of these broken, burdensome, administrative, low-value tasks. And that's where I think we have an opportunity in nursing. But we have to be the ones that identify those tasks and begin to design how we can utilize artificial intelligence to assist us. If we're not the ones having those conversations or at the table, it is tech companies or physicians that are going to be designing the solutions that will be used by nurses. And we know that doesn't usually work out so well. So I mm. think we're going to continue to hear it in front of us, as we should. And our interest should continue to be peaked around, how can we incorporate that in our organizations, our business, our patient care, to really take away and strip us of these low-value things that we do? And I can give you some examples, too, if you're, if you're interested. That was going to be my next question, is what would you say as a low value kind of high burden task that we could possibly pass over to AI that would make our lives easier? So I, I think that continued data entry when we utilize nurses to input into our EHR, I think the entry of the data is a task and the value comes down the road, right? When we either need to get in and retrieve something or extract something. So in my opinion, it's kind of a low value yet necessary activity of entering data. And then we pull information out of the EHRs or quite often we enter data in duplicitous ways. So we'll enter something here and then we're gonna be asked a question and, and therefore asking a patient a little bit different way and entering that information and perhaps even doing it again a different way. So where I think that there is opportunity is ut utilizing artificial intelligence to literally help identify 
all of the places that we ask something and instead help us ask it once, or helping to provide summaries of what's going on. So if we get a patient and we're getting a handoff shift to shift, can we not get a small summary on what's going on with the patient, including potentially any changes in lab values or are there any changes in physician or provider notes or is there anything else going on? So when you think about artificial intelligence has the ability to look at things and read them much faster than our human eyes and ears can manage. So why not use it to help tee information up? One of the places where AI seems really to show a lot of promise, this is not a nursing area of practice, but is on the pre-authorization side. So you think about the fact that pre-auth could take days, even weeks to pre-auth a patient for a procedure, right? There are um, AI platforms out there now that literally are doing this in, in minutes and maybe hours because they're able to make the request of another system and the systems are talking to each other instead of human beings that actually have to be on the phone or go through another very prolonged process. So by starting to eliminate this task-based work and using AI to help us, I think that will be incredibly important. Think about chatbots, how we can utilize those to help screen um, patients that want to sign up or uh, need an appointment um, at a clinic. The ability to use smart chatbots will also give us the ability to really get a sense of how do we prioritize those patients and how do we get them in with certain specialists in a, in a time frame that might be different than we thought based on what we read on a piece of paper, right? Because it can go in and maybe pull other data. Are there vitals out there? Are there other things? So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for us to get rid of some of this reading and processing kind of work. Um, and replacing it with the utilization of artificial intelligence. And, and that could go on and on, right? We think about how we schedule. Um, we're utilizing, a lot of organizations have literally moved into electronic scheduling. Some of them are moving into predictive analytic type scheduling um, systems. Also, when you overlay AI, we have the ability to pull in a whole lot more information. Are there procedures um, that are planned in the organization? Because it can literally take a look at everything and think better and faster than us. How many admits are, are on the schedule today? How many discharges? How many procedures do we have? How busy is the ED? What's going on in the city from a flu, COVID, RSV perspective? Hmm. So I think there's an awful lot where we can gain help that today takes humans to think about or look at multiple different data points to try to make decisions. Awesome. Now, one thing I noticed you have not alluded to whatsoever is that the robots are coming for our jobs. So that is often a concern that comes up for people around technology. You know, whether, of course, if you're working on an assembly line, you know, that has changed things greatly. But when it comes to patient care, direct patient care, I don't hear you saying anything about what people might be worried about, which is that the AI and robots are coming to take our nursing jobs. That doesn't sound like you're not alluding to anything in that way. And what I'm hearing is that there are ways for us to sort of slough off the stuff that is the tedious part and the part where 
our brains just can't keep up with all of this data and information and the AI can extrapolate things for us. So question I have for you in terms of nurses, because you mentioned right at the top, you were talking about how nurses need to be involved in these conversations because otherwise physicians and tech companies and others will make those decisions on our behalf. And you pointed out how that doesn't often turn out so well for us. So what do we need in the nursing workforce or who do we need to get involved in that aspect? And how do we get nurses to that table? Do you have sort of a vision of what the on-ramp would be for nurses in that particular way? Um, yeah, there's there's a lot in there. Let me unpack that just a little bit. So mm-hmm. I too am a fan of the Jetsons, yet mm-hmm. I don't think robots are going to be taking over nursing jobs anytime soon. If you think about it, um, there are jobs that absolutely are being replaced with artificial intelligence. There are jobs that are being replaced with automation. Nursing is not going to be one of those. Our jobs are not redundant and repetitive in nature. Our jobs are very unique. Uh, You've seen one nurse means you've seen one nurse, right? So what we do is very unique. Our workflows are different. Our patients are different. So it isn't as though you could hire a robot that could over and over and over again do something. The other thing that is incredibly unique about nursing is that we display compassion and empathy on a regular and consistent basis. We do not have any kind of a robot or any kind of an AI that can emulate those kinds of emotions. And that's a key part of what we do as we deliver care. Now, having said that, certainly, like most things, because this area is very, very quickly evolving, nurses who understand technology are going to be highly successful in this very, very dynamic healthcare world. Leaders that understand technology and can utilize the appropriate AI tools will certainly have a long and prosperous career and may replace leaders who don't understand or aren't willing to utilize those kind of tools because our tools are getting more and more sophisticated. So I think, you know, if I had to say kind of what's the pro tip on that, it's literally going to be learning as much as you can and continually evolving your own practice. And there are a ton of good sources. You guys, you do an amazing job of updating people and providing content and education on what's out there. So I think you're a great source. And there are others, we have national associations that are out there as well. So I think it's incumbent upon all of us as nurses to stay on top of these trends and be aware of them. This is not a put your head in the sand moment. Those people will be left behind. Mm-hmm. And you're mentioning how we can learn as much as we can, and there are resources out there. And one of the places I'm starting to think about is nursing education. I know that AI is transforming education and will continue to, but what I'm actually thinking about, not in terms of like how information is delivered, because that's always changing and evolving. What I'm actually thinking about is our nursing school curricula awake to the need to start to incorporate this type of information into curricula so that students 
are thinking about it and learning about it? Is it in the academic nursing world in terms of, well, we could look at baccalaureate you know, undergrad programs, are they starting to talk about it? Is it starting to be on the NCLEX, for instance? These are just things I'm thinking about. And then graduate programs, you know, where where could graduate and PhD programs go for nurses where this stuff could really become a focus for people who are truly, truly, you know, passionate and fascinated about this stuff? So what what are your thoughts on nursing education and AI and some of these points I just brought up? I, I think those are all incredibly relevant. Now, there are some schools that are well ahead of the curve and are looking at how do they build in AI into their curricula and what does that mean, right? It means we have to educate um, nursing students about what AI is, how it's going to be used, how the algorithms are built, how to watch out for biases to make sure that they're equitable, things of that nature. But really what we also want to do here is make sure that we're utilizing existing AI tools so they understand what those are and how you can gain and benefit from what feels like a shortcut. So there are some schools that are ahead of that. The majority of the schools, I think, are are probably smack dab in the middle of that bell curve. And then there are some schools that probably are a little bit lagging in this, mm-hmm. which is to be expected, right? It, it would probably follow the diffusion of innovation curve. So I, I think it's following that right now. When what I've experienced is that when I'm in organizations, whether it's a hospital or health system or a college of nursing, when I can show them examples all of a sudden the light bulb goes on. So for example, there is an amazing tool, it's called coursebox.ai. When you look at Coursebox, it will design a course for you in minutes, whether it's a semester long PhD course, or whether it is a course on recognizing cardiac arrhythmias and what to do about them in the ICU. Hmm. And those are amazing. And once you actually see something like that, in front of you, now you get it. Now you get the benefit because it has so much powerful information behind it because it's read the million books and articles and scientific papers and all kinds of things. So now, of course, it knows all the content and it can just put it in an outline for you. Just like there is actually a really good product called jasper.ai that has a similar approach, but it's for content writing and social media. So when you experience that, you'll go, oh my God, I understand now how it knows my audience, the tone I want to use, how long I want it, what keywords I want to use. And it literally will write blogs for you, or it will write tiny little social media posts. Those are things that we can and should be using in our organizations. It isn't cheating. There are tools that are available now to help us. Beautiful.ai, that is actually a tool that will do um, presentations for you. So all of this stuff is out there and some of it does cost money. These are the tools that we will be using not only as individuals, but as healthcare professionals. And I think what's fascinating, I do teach in a um, doctoral program, a DMP program, and it's amazing. The first time I had students even use ChatGPT was two semesters ago. Hmm. Uh, 
two or three semesters ago. And I had a couple of them text me and they're like, Dr. Clipper, this is cheating because it gave us a whole outline and it wrote this whole thing for us. It's not cheating. This is available. And again, I go back to, if you're not using the tools that exist to help you, you're gonna be left behind because others are using them. So I think the more we can get this out there and the more we can get people feel comfortable with what's available to us, that's gonna be huge. When you think about how do nurses get at the table, that's really the nut that we have to crack. So I do know that there is work going on at um, some of the large nursing associations right now really to lean heavily into not only AI and how to convey what it can do for us in nursing around patient-facing communication or optimizing procedural scheduling or you know documentation help. They're looking at not only educating, but also how do we get at the table? How do we get into conversations with the Microsofts and Googles and Amazons to say, nurses need to be included in this work because this work is serving us and our patients. So there is a, quite a bit going on there. What I also see is an opportunity around companies that are willing to hear from nurses that have input. And some of those opportunities look like, you know, serving on a focus group, serving on a think tank, serving on a um, advisory board kind of capacity to share your insight and get those kinds of things out there. So basically, in some ways, you're saying we need squeaky wheel nurses, which we've always needed, right? Whether it's advocating at the um, governmental level when it comes to policy and we need them in you know healthcare facilities obviously we need nurses who are willing to speak up we need nurses who speak up in the media but you're putting the onus here on nurses being out there willing and able to talk to these companies and people who are at the cutting edge of this work and we need the hand to be extended to us from the other direction as well. So that's that's going to be really interesting. And I'm I'm making, I think, a pretty safe assumption that people like you working in DNP programs, for instance, and educating new nurse practitioners and doctoral students who will be willing to take on the kind of take the reins of this is is very important. And before we take a break, I just wanted to ask you, do you see other academics and professors kind of on this page with you? And I know you said there's a bell curve, of course, but are you aware of some in your world who who are as excited about this as you are? Are you encouraged by that? You know, I would say that there is there has to be a personal comfort with how much you can lean in to kind of a technology agenda, right? I'm I'm comfortable with the tools that are out there. I am not an expert in every tool, but I am open-minded and willing and able to learn about them, to understand how can they help us? And then in return, how will we leverage that? Um, I, you know, I certainly can't speak for every nurse and I can't speak for every faculty person, but I think we're, we're kind of all over the board, uh, which sometimes is one of our challenges in, in nursing and 
you know, I wrote a book last fall about that. It's literally the innovation handbook, a nurse leader's guide to transforming nursing. I think that's part of our problem is that we don't have one or two or three stories. We have almost 5 million stories. So sometimes it's hard to rein all that in and move in one direction. Mm -hmm. And I think moving in a unified direction has, from my perspective, always been sort of an issue for the profession. (laughs) And we have so, so many voices, which on one hand is potentially extremely powerful because of the the weight that we can carry in terms of our numbers and our our relative force within the healthcare sector. But then again, with all those voices, you know, it becomes a little disparate and can become a little cacophonic. But when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk with you about your work, about Innovation Advantage, the Virtual Nursing Academy, and a little bit more about AI and tech and nursing. So hang in there with us and we'll be right back for episode 459 with Dr. Bonnie Clipper right here on The Nurse Keith Show. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. We're here again on episode 459 with friend of the pod and my friend and colleague, Dr. Bonnie Clipper. And Bonnie, before we move on to more about AI and tech, I just want to talk about you for a minute. And you just mentioned your book before the break, The Innovation Roadmap, A Nurse Leader's Guide. And that has been an international best-selling book. It's a guide to innovation. And tell us just a a little bit about the book and why it was important for you to put that out in the world. So we there's a couple books that I've been associated with. We did a really great team got together and wrote um, uh, the Nurse's Guide to Innovation, and that was awesome bestseller. People loved it. It was really meant to be a toolkit, kind of a dog ear, write in it, rip it up kind of book. People loved it, so that book is still available, um, and people are still buying the book, which is great. The one that came out last fall, the Innovation Handbook, is a Nurse Leader's Guide to Transforming Nursing. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, Keith. Um, it felt to me like I needed to say the things in writing that I consistently say when I speak. And that is, we are broken. Our profession is broken. Healthcare is broken. How we educate nurses is broken. And we have to get a lot more committed and willing to do things differently. And that means that what we've done in the past isn't working anymore. It's their old solutions. They're out of date. So I think we do have to really take a look at leaning into things that make us uncomfortable. Um, going to the bedside, to the direct care nurses and asking them for solutions because they know what's broken and why, when instead we oftentimes start solving problems at the top. Mm-hmm. So I think I wrote the book and and it is um, it, it kind of pisses everybody off equally, whether you're in administration, academia, operations, wherever, because I think that there are some sacred cows that it is time for us to um, get rid of and throw out and instead really commit to fixing these issues. We have an amazing profession. Um, it's 
been wonderful to me. I think no one's career trajectory looks the same. They're all very, very different. It's literally what you make of it. Yet we're still a profession that we're mean to each other. And Mm -hmm. we lose nurses simply because we can be bad coworkers. So it's those things that that just make me kind of shake my head and say, we got to solve some of that easy stuff so we can really get into the harder stuff. Absolutely. And I just had Dr. Renee Thompson of the Healthy Workforce Institute on the show to talk about that stuff. And, you know, it's, we wish it was a really easy fix just to say, why can't we all just be kind to each other? Why can't we create workable, compassionate, functional, healthy cultures. And, you know, what's up with all this toxic work environment stuff that's going on? So that's a conversation that's ongoing. And I'm glad people like Dr. Thompson are out there doing that work because you and I certainly don't want to be out there doing it. And somebody has to. And and she, and she's amazing. And she has yeah, such a great perspective on it. But yes, it's does. still a problem. Yeah, and she wants to be put out of a job, but you know, we've got to make <laughs> exactly. some inroads for her to retire. But what I wanted to ask you too is that when I first met you, you were I think you were the um you were the first VP of innovation at the ANA. And my hope is that the ANA is, you know, rolling along with this innovative track, but you've moved on to all sorts of other things. And I wanted to ask you about innovation advantage. So before we get back to the AI conversation too, I wanted to hear about innovation advantage and what you're up to there. Yeah, I I have sort of a zigzagging career path. So mm-hmm. um, amazing opportunity to be the inaugural vice president of innovation at the American Nurses Association. I am very proud of the work there, building the framework and the, the pillars to bring nurses into the innovation space, uh, created the relationship with Becton Dickinson around the um, Nursing Innovation Awards, uh, created Nurse Pitch with HIMSS, created the podcast series with J&J. So super cool work um, that I, I did. And it is really great news. They are continuing that work. So that's important for us to make sure that we have not only the legacy, but innovation doesn't start and stop. It's always present. So they are committed to that network is continuing. And I think that's great news. From there, I actually um, had two kids in university. So um, I actually did some work as the chief clinical officer for WAMBI, the patient oh, engagement that's right. platform. That's right. And began to really build uh, Innovation Advantage, which is a it's it's a bespoke uh, innovation consultancy. So we've morphed since the pandemic. We really do a lot of focus now on helping organizations think and acting differently. So we do innovation workshops around. Um, sometimes it's these wicked challenges, whether it's recruiting more um, nurse residents, or is it improving uh, throughput or retention? And a lot of our work in the last 18 months has been around helping organizations create virtual nursing care models. So we don't sell the technology, but we do the strategy, structure, governance, and outcomes work to actually help you build a model. And as you know, this is a very, very dynamic, quickly changing environment. Um, We call it virtual nursing today, 
I literally think in a year or two, it will just be nursing. Mm -hmm. And I think we are in the middle of this sort of, um, you remember in the peanuts, we had this character pig pen and he was always kicking up a dust, a a bunch of smoke and dust. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're sort of stuck in that right now. And when we emerge, we're going to look back and go, oh, the old nursing was this other thing. And now the way we practice inpatient nursing is that it's a hybrid model where there are direct care nurses providing hands-on care to the patient. And there is a nurse practicing virtually who is an expert clinician that is supporting us over our shoulder. So I think that's where we're very quickly moving towards. We know that 66% of the chief nursing officers or chief nurse executives around the country are evaluating, researching, exploring, or looking at technology for virtual nursing right now. So it is the fastest growing, the hottest care model out there. Um, It's actually going to help us solve a lot of problems not going to make more nurses. It's not going to cure everything. And it might even create some issues of its own, but it looks as though it has a tremendous amount of promise to help us continue to deliver good care to our patients. That's great. And this is your your fairly newly launched virtual nursing academy, which is under the auspices of Innovation Advantage. That's right. We just soft launched the Virtual Nursing Academy. We have um, two cohorts that are open for registration in January. And what I love about this work is we went to um, chief nursing officers and to virtual nurses to say, how can we help organizations learn how to implement a virtual nursing model in their own organization? So we were given a ton of feedback around how, what should the format look like? So we've, we did what they said, right? We have created a six month, one hour Zoom session each month, like a mastermind kind of methodology where we share content and then we answer questions. There's group discussion and we support people through that. Additionally, they wanted some, what, what we affectionately call the handholding. So with that program, you actually get a half hour each month of individualized coaching with someone who has expertise in change management or virtual nursing. And then on top of that, we've created a community where we have tools and articles available so that people can go back to those or find new things to help them in their own organization. And we walk through creating a roadmap so they don't need to outsource to consultants. They don't need to rely on everything that the technology companies want to um, kind of feed them off of their, their menu, if you will. But instead, they have the knowledge and the ability to create their own virtual modding model that works for them because every organization is just so unique. So we're, we're excited about the launch. It's getting a lot of attention right now. And I think it's going to be a really cool thing. That's really exciting. And I'm really happy for you that this has gone the direction it has because you were, you've been kind of at the forefront all along as a nurse futurist, that would make sense. And you're continuing to kind of be out front and kind of using your platform, your megaphone to as a call to arms, which I really appreciate. And if people aren't aware of you on LinkedIn, they should definitely follow you on LinkedIn because you post a lot of stuff that's worthy of our attention. And I have a question for you. There's a lot of talk about AI right now in terms of it's the the level of revolutionariness 
that it has the capability of of creating for us for humankind and there are pundits and people out there who say that it's in a sense bigger and possibly more revolutionary than the introduction of the automobile the introduction of the telephone the personal computer or even the dawn of the internet so do you agree that the potential of AI, you know, where it could possibly go, which you're basically saying is could go pretty much anywhere we would like it to. Do you think it has that level of potential to change the course of, of history for us? You know, I'm, that's a big question. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know that I'm honestly qualified to answer it. What, mm-hmm. what I think in my heart of hearts is mm-hmm. that we are going to look back in a couple of years and look at this much as we did in what you just described as the internet. I can't even imagine anymore not having everything at my fingertips or being able to find it in seconds, right? Right, right. I think we're going to look back on this moment and say, can you imagine we actually did this thing by longhand or wrote papers or did things? It's just going to be so completely life-changing for us. I think that we also are going to continue to see some regulations and guardrails put around how it's used, what happens to the data, those kind of things. Europe is a little ahead of this. I do some work over in Portugal, and I know they are a little ahead of us on um, AI and putting some protections in place. I think that we are going to untangle ourselves and, and adopt some things as well. I think it's going to be always incumbent upon us as nurses to ensure that we're the adult in the room. So no matter what tool we're using, we still have the license and the obligation to make sure that we're doing what we're doing to our patients is safe mm-hmm. and it makes sense. and. It's going to be up to us to hit the pause button or to ask questions around that. Where it starts to become slippery is when it's embedded in our EHRs and our physiologic monitors, and we don't really even know what's in there, but rather it's giving us data or telling us something. I think that's where it starts to get slipperier for us. And I think we really do need to understand what does that look like? From an ethics perspective, we have to untangle that. What if I do what the computer tells me and the computer was wrong, mm-hmm. right? Is, is that on me? I mm-hmm. did what I was trained to do based on what the computer said. So I think that these are questions we don't yet know the answers to, and we have to quickly grapple with them. If you look in, in LinkedIn, you'll see there is a lot of work going on to try to begin publishing around how AI could and should be used and where some of those benefits might come from. So I think that we're going to figure that out. I think we just have to be a little bit patient and pushy at the same time. Yeah, I would say patient, pushy, and circumspect, right? We need to, we really need to watch where we're going, like you said, until guardrails are in place and we're make sure that our actions and what we're documenting makes sense to us because we can't have a machine making our decisions for us. And I think I really appreciate that perspective. So as we wind down here, if I'm a nurse and I want to get involved, I want to get exposed, I want to 
be in the places where people are talking. I want to hang out with people who know about this stuff, who know more than I do. Or I want to just be in the mix where all of these conversations are going on because if you really want to know, you have to be out there talking with people and getting exposed to what's in the ethers. So if you were a nurse who really wanted to to know, who really is just curious and hungry and thirsty for it, where would you say that nurse might want to look, where might they want to go, and who would they want to hang out with? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think we have some options nowadays, right? Okay. We can look at, um, if you're interested in the things that are going on with the ANCC Magnet Conference, we know what content is there. If you're if you're a leader and you want to stay up to date with what's going on from a leadership perspective, we have AONL. I think we also are branching out a little bit more and finding that there are other places that we can really harvest some good learning from. So for example, the American Telemedicine Association, while it says telemedicine, they actually are interdisciplinary and have many nurses that are now members of that. Um, Myself and six other nurses have recently been appointed to the Clinician Advisory Board that's awesome. So it isn't only physicians. They've actually opened the door and it's other disciplines. So we do get to talk about not only policy work, but other kinds of things. And we really get to lean on uh, industry partners and vendors about what their work is. So attending the ATA conference, mm-hmm. um, HIMS. HIMS is a great place to learn about technology and what's going on uh, in the innovation space. So HIMS is another good conference to attend. And that's also, HIMS is- is HIMSS, which is That's Health right. Information. I'm trying to Management remember. System Society. Okay. Okay. Yep. What's next? And then there's ANIA, right? ANIA. So that's the Nursing Informatics Association. That's a great place to go. They also do webinars. So those are nurses and they're wicked smart. And on top of what's going on, that's a brilliant place to get involved and hang out. And then I think there's a couple new kids on the block as well. Um, Health, H-L-T-H, and mm-hmm. VIVE, it's, it's kind of sister program, V-I-V-E. Those are what we would have called big vendor trade shows, but now they're bringing in the voice of the customer. And just recently, we actually kicked off nurses at VIVE and nurses at Health. So there is an advisory board of about 25 of us nurses around the country that are also informing not only their conference, but also how we can continue to connect nurses and industry partners when it comes to product development. So these things are happening. And I think that we're starting to see more and more paths for nurses to get involved in those. Those are great suggestions. Those sound like amazing conferences. And I'm sure there's people out there who are going to look those up. We have HIMS, we have Health, HLTH, VIV, ATA, ANIA. Those are all worthy of people's attention. And I know there's folks out there interested in informatics and getting master's degrees and, you know, doctoral and postdoc, you know, doing that work out there or who want to get involved in the J&J Innovation Fellowship. There's plenty of directions for people to go. So thanks for a couple hints of where people can go and hang out. And if people want to find you, they go to innovationadvantage.com and they can find the Virtual Nursing Academy there. You're on LinkedIn, of course, the ubiquitous, high-profile 
top influencer at LinkedIn, Dr. Bonnie Clipper. And Bonnie, before we go, I have my usual four quick questions for my guests. And I think you've answered some of these before, but you know, your answers might be a little different now. So should we do a little lightning round just for fun? Let's do it. Okay. So at this moment, right now in time, Bonnie, how do you define success either personally or professionally? How do you see that? Uh, can, hands down, continuing to get the message out there about virtual nursing so more and more organizations can actually build and launch a virtual nursing program. That's great. Okay. And could you name or describe somebody in your life who's really inspired you? They could be living or dead famous or just someone you know who none of us would ever have heard of before someone who really just means a lot to you wow that's a really cool question um Hmm. keith i think back in my career i had a couple of folks that were mentors um to me and i think they mentored me more than they realized and more than i ever thanked them for Mm -hmm. and now when i look back on that it makes me want to help other people that are emerging leaders in nursing or really trying to grow their careers and sort of point them in a direction. Um, I think at one point I was questioning, what is it I want to do? What do I do? Where do I go? And now I, I love the ability to be able to point people in directions. It doesn't take a lot of time. It can be very quick, but sometimes people are just stuck. So I think there's value in that. There is. And there are formal mentors, you know, when you go to someone and say, would you be my mentor or someone you're assigned to in a program or at work? But there's also those informal people, informal mentors who you emulate and they don't even know that you're a mentor, right? And I'm sure you you serve that purpose for many, many people. Um, my third question, the penultimate question is, could you name a book or a movie? Not doesn't have to be an absolute favorite, but just something that has had an impact on the way you think, the way you live, um, the way you view the world, just some piece of content out there in the world that just holds a lot of meaning for you. Ooh, this is another one that Mm. you're really making me think. Um, Mm. I am a foodie by heart and I like sort of lessons that are buried and I love the movie, The Big Night. It's Hmm. an older movie, but it's absolutely about amazing Italian cooking. And there are some incredible lessons that are buried in that. There's, I would say maybe it ends a little more sad than I would have liked it to. But I I think that that was a really kind of a a cool movie um, for me. And I, it's one that I actually haven't grown tired of watching every once in a while. We all have things like that. Books we reread, movies we rewatch. One of my favorites is revolves around food. It's my dinner with Andre. Um, mm. With um, um, Andre um, Gregory and um, his, his um, I can't remember his friend, Sean, who is an amazing actor as well. And that's another food-oriented movie that means a lot to me. So I appreciate that. The Big Night. Okay. Last question. It's a really small one, of course. If you were named queen of the world tomorrow, what's one of the first things you'd want to do to improve the lives of your subjects? <laughs> you'd have ultimate power, so you could do anything. But what's I could do anything. Your first act. Yeah. Bonnie's first act. 
Oh, good Lord. Good thing nobody's listening to this but you and I. Um, I would absolutely figure out how to create an environment, a pay structure in a world where we had nurses coming out of the woodwork and people that love their jobs again. Mm, that's lovely. That's great. Well, you'd make, you'd make a wonderful, beneficent queen, I'm sure. So, Bonnie <laughs> Clipper, thank you so, so much. And again, I want people to find you on LinkedIn uh, at Dr. Bonnie Clipper and, of course, at innovationadvantage.com. And I can't thank you enough. It's always wonderful chatting with you and seeing your stuff on LinkedIn. And you're an amazing, inspiring person out in the world. And I appreciate you so much. Oh, you're awesome. And and I always love the chance just to converse and talk to you. I learn a ton from you, Keith. Oh, thanks, Bonnie. I'm blushing. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show. The show notes will be at nursekeith.com and of course on any app where you're listening. If you need personalized holistic career coaching for your nursing or healthcare career, check out Nurse Keith Coaching at nursekeith.com. Mention the show and get 10% off your first coaching package. And if you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith. I would appreciate you all checking it out so, so much. We're proud members of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. And we are adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting. And before I leave you, I'll leave you with this quote by Albert Schweitzer. Success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. If you love what you're doing, you will be successful. Parentheses, just like Dr. Bonnie Clipper. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, and keep in touch. And yes, Albert Schweitzer did mention Bonnie Clipper. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And Dr. Bonnie Clipper saying arrivederci from Austin, Texas. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll catch you on the proverbial flip side. <laughs>